Incredible leadership, Pastor Tom, Pastor Earl. There's, there's some giants in this room. Come on, somebody. Amen. I mean, giants, legends. Pastor Earl, I used to be so scared of you. I don't know if you knew that, brother. It's, I just thought I'd mention I was just thinking of that. I was in Christian education many years ago. You know, we have a school. I'm going off book here. And I can remember covering visiting the school back in the day. And I thought, this man is one smart man, you know. And I'll never be like him, you know? So anyway, I think you should be up here right now. I'm a little intimidated. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Just a little childhood memory I thought I'd bring up. Hey, um, I hope you're ready to receive a word. Is anybody ready to receive a word this morning? Amen. I just, uh, I'm looking out at all the people with all the hair. There's a lot, of, all you guys that have a lot of hair, just raise your hand if you got a lot of hair, okay? The few of you that don't have a lot of hair, would you raise your hand, okay? I'm with you, okay? Listen, when God looks down at some of y'all, he sees hair. When he looks at others, he sees his reflection. Praise the Lord. I'm one of those people. I'm one of those people, okay? The glory of the Lord he sees when he sees my head. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I'm going to encourage you to pay attention. There'll be some, it's a simple message, but uh, I want to encourage you to just pay attention. And uh, there'll be some things I think that God will speak particularly, uh, you know, to you. Uh, I remember grabbing my son in church one time, and I was telling him to, I was grabbing him, you know. He's a third-generation preacher now, and uh, trying to get him to pay attention in church, and now he leads the church. But I remember grabbing him and said, listen, if you don't pay attention, I'm going to do to you what I did to your older brother. And he's like, Dad, I don't have an older brother. And I said, exactly. <laughs> so pay attention. So pay attention. Amen? So we got to pay attention this morning. I want to lift up the church because we sometimes need to be prepared for what's ahead. Can I have an amen out there, okay? Uh, my opening text, I'll get just to real, just touch on real quickly, and then we're going to go to a very familiar text this morning, but I'm just going to read from John chapter 1, and I'm going to get to the verse in a second, but just, just you know, imagine the conversation that's just happened in this text, really uh, Philip is grabbing a hold of Nathaniel to bring him to Jesus because everybody's hearing about this Jesus. And they're having a conversation. Amazingly enough, it was under a tree. And, uh, and the Bible just records these unique details. And then eventually, Nathaniel comes to see Jesus. Jesus sees Nathaniel. And he's like, Nathaniel, yeah, I know you. You are a decent man. You are a godly man, a man of character. And I, and I saw you under that tree. And Nathaniel was like, wow. Like, this is crazy. You saw me. And, 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 and it was kind of a miraculous encounter. And Jesus, in so many words, says, you think that's amazing? If you stay with me, just get, get ready. Get ready for what is ahead. And that's the context for this verse. So in verse 51, it says, most assuredly, Jesus saying to them, I say to you, hereafter, everybody say hereafter. Or you could say going forward. You shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Now, back then, everybody knew what this was talking about because this is referring to something known as Jacob's Ladder. And Jesus shows up and he unpacks kind of a concealed truth is revealed now. Old Testament concealed, New Testament revealed. Old Testament contained, New Testament explained. That's what, that's what happens a lot in the New Testament. 
And so he basically says, y'all, this Southern Living Translation, my wife's from Alabama, y'all, I'm the ladder. And what you see going from here to there is because or will be because of me. Everybody say because of Jesus. Jesus is letting everybody know that the way to connect from earth to heaven is going to be through him. This is so important. And, and this connects. So this, this message that I'm bringing kind of comes out of this text. The, the, the New Testament and the Old Testament. I want you to know it's so important that we have that relationship with Jesus, and I'm going to unpack that today a little bit. And then we also have to have a connection with each other in the local church. Is everybody tracking? So this comes out of Genesis chapter 28, verse 16. Jacob has a dream. This is where this Jacob's ladder, kind of out of the horse's mouth uh, moment takes place. And Jacob is moved by God in and out of this dream. And in verse 16, it says, Genesis 28, 16. Are you tracking with me? Five people, thank you for that help. Thank you for that support. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and he said, out of his dream, surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. Now, I want to unpack this verse for you a little bit. I heard another pastor unpack this better than probably I could. But I'll just say this. When, when certain people read this verse, they just go right by it. But my wife would never just go right by this verse because my wife is an English teacher. She, uh, and that is a blessing and a curse in my household, okay? Because sometimes I'm, I'm studying the, the Bible and I'm getting a word from God. And, and if you, and Josh, you know this to be true. You get something you're just so excited about. You just got like a heavy revy. You know, you're like... I can't wait to just, I just can't wait, you know. And so uh, you write something out, Pastor Tom, and then you kind of show it to your wife. You're like, come on, check this out. This, look, this is unbelievable. And there's sometimes even a little bit of pride, right, because you, just, you want her to say how smart you are. Uh, in my case, you know, I need that. I'm, she's always telling me how strong I am. I'm like, no, I don't want that. You always want what you don't have, right? Tell me I'm smart. Tell me I'm smart. But my wife will grab this, this Revy that I get, and she, if she had a red pen, she would be Zorroing the whole thing, just tearing it apart. And so I see her, and as I give her this Revy, she's just going into that, uh, you know, analysis paralysis. I'm like, just can you, is this incredible? And she's not doing that because she sees in this sentence kind of a grammatical error. Basically, surely the Lord is present tense in this place, and I did not know it, past tense, and it messes her up. She's like, you know, God knows that this is grammatically incorrect, right? But it's not, because if you unpack it, if you explain it, if you see it the way you need to see it, here's kind of what God is saying. God is simply saying to you and I, surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it, listen, but now I do. And, and, and kind of the opener for this is this. Church really starts when we become aware of the presence of God. That's when church begins for you. When the presence, you are aware of the presence of God. Can I have an amen out there? And I don't know where that's going to be for you. I, maybe it's already happened this far. Sometimes I, I just want to increase, increase a sensitivity, a consciousness of, a anticipation, an expectation for that because that's when church begins, when God shows up. He is the most important guest. I'm sorry for all you guests this morning. This is like, this is a backhanded thing, but you're second. God's first here. Amen. We're inviting God. And if God shows up, the best things and anything can happen in this place. Amen. So I don't know where that's going to happen for you. For me, this morning, it happened when Pastor Tom got up here and did communion. 
He started talking about that greater thing. And, and I just felt the presence of God. For me, it could be earlier. It could have been, I have to say that Firm Foundation song was getting me pretty fired up though as well. That was pretty cool. Um, but, but that is church. And we need to not come to church for the show. We don't come to church to listen to one single man or some message. We don't come for the programs. Those are all good. I'm going to do my work, make sure I'm ready, bring in the word. We're going to make sure we do things with excellence as we talked about this morning. The lights, it's great. You know, the clock, I hate but there's so many things that are important but that's not as important as making sure that we experience encounter the presence of God every single week every single service this isn't us exhibiting God this is us experiencing God and so we don't wait and we don't watch but we get into it we connect to it in Jesus name amen so I want to pray one more time I want to pray for a special anointing right now in this service amen would you just join me with that foundation? Would you join me just for a second? Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? I don't know how to do this, Lord, but I just ask that you would, you would just go through me to them. Get me out of the way. Get me out of the way. Lord, I am not here to self-promote. I am here to promote God and his work and his plan and his purposes, Lord, and to build his church as your servant, Lord. Pray your, your, your anointing your powerful anointing be present on, on not only the words, but the, but the ears, the hearer, the hearts, the minds, the spirits. I thank you in advance, Lord, as an expression of my faith in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you. Thank you very much. God bless you. Well, listen, as I begin to, uh, that was just my opener, praise the Lord. So here we go into the message. Um, you know, one of the things that I've learned um, kind of in a... Um, a role to help churches, um, that the church is often under persecution. And I don't know that I've seen it as high as it is right now. Um, the persecuted church uh, is something that he's seemingly evaded America for a long, long time. You see it in other parts of the world. But now it seems to be hitting America. It seems to be hitting churches. It seems to be hitting uh, congregations. It seems to be hitting leaders at an all-time high. And I just want to say... Uh, the church has been persecuted since its inception. And I want to say, though Satan will, will, will persecute the church and sometimes use people to persecute the church, God can always turn that around for good. Always. Always. And a lot of it has to do with our response. How will we handle, handle those intersections when those moments come? God can turn it for good. And he does it sometimes even through the one who's being the persecutor. And in, 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 the, in the early church, we'll go back to a, an illustration of this. We see this in the life of Saul. Saul of Tarsus, previously, you know, he, he was known later as Paul, who was one abnormally born, the Bible says. He didn't have a, a normal born-again experience. He had an encounter with God. But prior to Paul being who we know him to be, the one who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, the one who was kind of a super apostle, the one who planted all these churches, he was a persecutor of the church. In Acts chapter 8, there's just some highlights here. It says that Saul wreaked havoc, made havoc of the church. He's entering houses and he's dragging men and women off into prison. And in Acts 9 verse 1, it says he was breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. And, and he's doing everything he can to find these people that were attached to this movement known as the way. It was known as the way because Jesus said, I am the 
way. And so they're followers of the way, and, and he would do everything he could to persecute them. And later in his career, when he becomes, when he's converted, he basically said, you know, I'm the least of the apostles because I was one who persecuted the church. And so we see that there's a kind of before and after. There's a BCAC, I like to say, before Christ, after Christ. And that's what we see in, the, in this apostle. And so I want to be an advocate that just says, whatever you're seeing on this side, know that there's another side. There's something that God can do on the other side of our persecution, on the other side of our problems that we face in the church. Are you with me, everybody? And I want you to also know that Jesus loves the church. Jesus is passionately in love with International Family Church. He died for this church. He died for the people in this church. And, and he's going to do everything to save it when it's, when it's lost. He's going to do everything to heal it when it's hurting. He's going to do, he'll intervene. He will, he will uh, sometimes correct, sometimes direct, uh, but he will always protect it. He will always protect it because Jesus loves his bride. Are you with me, everybody? I've been married for 30 years. I know you're looking at me and saying, that's impossibly so young, good looking. Thank you very much. I hear your thoughts. I hear your thoughts. I hear your thoughts. It's been 20 wonderful years, I like to say. That means there were some rough years. My wife says 15, so we've got some math problems in our household. Um, but in our marriage, um, the reason that we're here, that we're still kicking, in fact, it's better than ever, and that's an honest testimony before God. Um, whew, just having a moment there. It is. But bring it together, Derek. Um, in that 30 years, what's brought us together is the fact that we see each other as one. We work through things because we're not separated. We see each other as one. And so, yes, stuff happens. Yes, some things kind of come against our marriage still. Yes, there are still problems. Yes, there are still issues. But when you see each other as one, you always have this ability, this capacity to work it out. We're not separate. We're in essence the same. Are you with me, everybody? And so it's amazing how somebody can say, you know, um, I love Derek, but I don't love Stacy. My wife's name's Stacy, in case you're wondering, that's not another woman. <laughs> but if somebody says, I love Derek, but I don't love Stacy, how many know in my household those are fighting words? But a lot of times people will say, I love Jesus, but I don't love his church. And I think to Jesus, those are fighting words. I think he takes that personal. I think he takes that personal. And I'm saying that as an encouragement to you because when there are problems, you need to know that God will personally get involved in helping his bride. Look at, look at a foundation for this. I want you to see something that's just so powerful. Are you with me, everybody, so far? So in, in Acts chapter 9, verse 3, Jesus in the church, I want to make this I want to make this statement. Jesus and the church are the same. They're the same thing. Look at Acts 9, verse 3. This is so amazing. It says, as he was nearing Damascus on this mission, this is Saul of Tarsus, on his mission to persecute the church at this time, suddenly a brilliant light from heaven spotted down upon him. This is this road to Damascus experience, a powerful encounter that he has with God. He falls to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, look at this, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Wait a second, Pastor Derek. I thought you said he's persecuting the church. Yes, because Jesus sees the church as the bride of Christ, and the bride of Christ is the church. And so if you are persecuting the church, you are persecuting Jesus. 
Jesus and the church. Come on, somebody. This ought to get a praise break or an amen or a hallelujah. Jesus and the church are the same thing. And he takes it personal when the church comes under persecution or attack or difficulty. And listen, I think we should too. I think we should too. I think our first response are, are should be to defend the church, not badmouth the church, if we're a mature follower of Jesus Christ. Are you with me, everybody? Amen. I went to a spectacular wedding not too long ago, and um, these people put in a lot of dough. You, you, you know some of these people. Some of you might be in this room. You're still paying for it. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> There's groups for that here, I'm sure. But I went to this wedding. I'm telling you, they threw down. There were 200 plus people. It was on a golf course. It was unbelievable. I wanted to start a campus there, Pastor Josh. I was looking at properties. I thought, yes, Lord, you're speaking to me. I hear you. But what was amazing, and we all know this when we go to a wedding, we always see the people are preparing for the day more so than they're preparing for life together. You see where this is going, everybody? And sometimes the church gets more focused on one day then on a long-term relationship together. We need a church of Jesus Christ that has a mentality since we're the same, since we're one, since Jesus takes it personal, we need to have a church a relationship with our church such that we are together through the ups and downs. We're together through better for worse, for richer for you know what I'm saying, pray for the interpretation. Richer for poorer, sickness and in health. It doesn't matter. We made a vow, in a sense, in our hearts that we are together because Jesus, we're with him. And if we're with him, we should be with the church of Jesus Christ because that's his bride because they're both the same thing. And it doesn't matter that there might be bumps and bruises along the way. We work it out. And if we talk it out, we can work it out, as I always say in my family. But the church, the church sometimes gets preoccupied and gets focused on the wrong things. I like to say the church is like a bride or like a bridezilla. The American church has been like bridezillas. It's all about the show. It's all about the look. It's all about, it's all about the glamour. It's all, just, and now we don't have bridezillas. We have churchzillas. We have churches that are all focused on this one day. And I think that's why a lot of them are falling like flies. I think that's why a lot of them were having problems in situations and they don't bounce back from the problems, which are inevitable. Problems are inevitable. Turn to your neighbor and say, problems are inevitable. You know why? Because of people. We love people, but people drive me nuts. Right? How many got some porcupine people in your life? Don't look around. They're probably right beside you. Praise the Lord. We got people. The reality is, even in good marriages, by the way, the absence, we say this in counseling at Connect, our churches Connect, the absence of conflict in a marriage is not a sign of health. You can have, you can have false peace, an appearance of peace. So we just simply have to learn how to fight right, how to work it out, talk it out and work it out. There's going to be problems in churches. The Bible calls us, by the way, overcomers, right? You've been, more than, you've been made more than conquerors. You're supposed to come over some stuff if you're an overcomer. It doesn't mean everything. The Bible says that we're supposed to have peace like a river, not peace like a pond. That means we have peace on the inside when everything could be a little bit crazy going on on the outside, right? So I'm just trying to get you to see and have a perspective. People are, people are broken. People are still broken. I, I, I am a flawed man, yet God's called me to do something for him. And he still uses me in spite of my flaws. And the church is led by and full of broken and flawed people. 
broken leaders are, 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 are they're not, they won't be perfect. They never will be perfect. And there will be failures. But don't blame the church. And don't give up on the church because Jesus doesn't. Jesus doesn't. Are you with me, everybody? And sometimes in certain situations, churches can be controlling. Churches can be manipulative. Churches can be secretive. Not all churches, uh, but, but not all churches are like that. And sometimes we just, you know the phrase, we throw the baby out with the, with the bathwater. We kind of give up on the whole thing. So don't, because of one body of, where there's failure, we don't give up on the entire body of Christ in the process. Amen? Like some of you, you might be sick and infirmed in your body or you just recently came out of sickness. When you were sick, you didn't just say, that's it, I quit. I'm out. I'm out. Of, I'm, 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 I'm just quitting on life because I'm sick. My body's sick. In fact, you made me sick, so I quit on you. I'm going to quit on the marriage. You kids, you bring all these germs in from school. I'm quitting on you too. Just give it up. I'm out. I'm out because there's sickness, right? No. In fact, we never would give up in that situation. In fact, if we're healthy, mature and healthy people, mature and healthy people always try to help the people who are sick to not be sick anymore. Are you with me? What if the church of Jesus Christ started behaving and acting like that? Because sickness is, is inevitable. Even the healthiest people get sick. Are you with me? So I want to encourage you to never give up on the church of Jesus Christ. Now, I'd like you to stand to your feet for the reading of this particular text, just to keep us moving in some spiritual aerobics. This is Matthew chapter 16. This is a famous text, and it really talks about the church. Are you there? Matthew 16, 13 says, When Jesus came into the region, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men or who do people say that I, the Son of Man, am. So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah. Some others said Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And get this, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Everybody say amen for the reading of the word. You may be seated. So I want to just say to you, Jesus is having this conversation with his disciples, and he says, what are the people saying about me in this text? What do they say? Now, God puts things in the word there intentionally. It's not an accident. So that basically is telling us that it's important what the community thinks. It's important what outsiders think about us. Are you with me? That's the church. That's also leadership. In other words, I know for me as a pastor, 1 Timothy 3 says I have to have a life that's above reproach, which is sobering. I have to make sure that my reputation is good not only inside the church, but outside the church. Are you with me? Our church collectively, you are walking billboards of International Family Church. It's important that we have a good reputation. So Jesus is asking, what are, what's the community say about me? And they're like, well, some say this and some say that. Some say you're, 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 you're a prophet. They're basically saying you're a reincarnated prophet. The Muslims have their opinions of Jesus, and, and, and the Jehovah Witnesses have their opinion. Jews have their opinion. But Jesus goes on to say, all right, that's cool, but who do you say? The big question after he gets to the little question is, but who do you personally say that I am? In other words, do you embrace both my humanity and my divinity? Do you see 
Do you see me? Do you understand who I am? And and and, and do you do you believe in do you believe that that um that I am the savior? Do you believe that I am the Messiah? Do you believe that I'm the one who died for your sins and paid for those in full? Do you believe that I rose on the third day? Do you believe because I rose you can rise again and overcome in your situations? Do you believe that? Jesus in essence is saying, "Do you personally believe that?" And all of us will have to give an answer one day to that question. Are you with me, everybody? Now or later. And so Peter answers, and he answers good. Peter always gets a bad rap. You know, he's always the one sticking his foot in his mouth. He's always the one a little impetuous, cutting people's ears off, you know, doing a little craziness. You know, but Peter answers good here. He says, you are the Christ the son of the living God. You are the anointed one. You are the bridge. You are the way. You are the way maker. You are the deliverer. You're that. And he ultimately and we ultimately need to have a similar response before God. And so I kind of have like four questions. Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? If we're going to have a healthy church at International Family Church, we have to settle forever now and in heaven who Jesus is to you. He says, flesh and blood, Peter didn't teach you that. It wasn't from Sunday school. It wasn't a podcast. It wasn't a great message from Pastor Josh. It wasn't an e-course you had online. He said, but my father in heaven, get this, revealed that to you. See, Peter had a revelation. How do I impact this? There's, 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 in the Greek, there's this word gnosis, and then there's this word epinosis. When Stacy and I were having a baby, and we had a few of those, four kids, three grandkids, when we had a baby, we would say, we're pregnant. But how many know Stacy knew we're pregnant at another level? I had gnosis. She had epinosis. She had revelation knowledge. God wants you to have revelation of who Jesus is. Everybody has to have that. And this is not, this is a real experience. It's also a first generation experience. God has no grandkids in heaven. There's only kids. There's only first generation Christians, Christ followers in heaven. Are you with me? And I dare say if people had a revelation of who Jesus is in a world of deconstructionism, it would be hard to leave him if they actually had a revelation of him. Are you with me? And so Jesus goes on and says, after you get that for yourself, after you realize you can't live off daddy's preaching or your mama's prayers, once you get past that, he says, here's a huge thing that affects the church forever. He says, you are Peter, and upon this rock, everybody say rock. I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This text has been debated for centuries. It's all come down to whether the rock that is being talked about is Peter, a person, or is the rock that Jesus is talking about a revelation of who Jesus is. Is it based on a person, or is it based on the statement that Peter made? We believe at International Family Church, I'll go on record on behalf of the church as an overseer, that this is not based on a person. We don't, we, we, we're not adversarial with our Catholic friends. But our Catholics believe that this is the, 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 it's based on a person. It's based on Peter. And he became the first pope, the vicar, the voice of God. And his words are infallible. We do not believe that. We believe the only word of, the word of God is infallible, inerrant, and inspired. But we do not believe that a man's words can be that. And so we don't base our faith on a person, on a pope, on a pastor. We base it, and you need this for yourself when you're going through rocky situations. You need to know you base it on a revelation of who Jesus Christ is for yourself. Are you with me? It's upon that statement 
And that's why it's important that before you join a church, you join Jesus. You join Jesus. And I think sometimes we fail. I'll just speak this for our church. Sometimes we fail to be, to clarify and to bring clarity to the most important purpose of the church is to encounter Jesus and to know him first and to have a relationship with him first. But, everybody say but. But. I believe and I hold that the church is what God uses to change culture and society. I believe it's his, it's his agent of change. The Bible says through the church. The manifold wisdom of God would be made known in Ephesians 3. And so I just, you know, kind of as a testimony, I would just say if you engage, fully engage in the church, your life will be changed. There will be bumps and bruises. You will get knocked down. But like a righteous man, you'll bounce back up again. And you'll be stronger the next time through it. And I know, I know at times it hurts people, it misleads people, and it will again. But I have seen thousands of lives change through the local church. And my commitment is to the local church for the rest of my life because I see Jesus and the church as the same. They are married. They are one. Are you with me, everybody? Can I have an amen in this church? And I believe you can experience that for yourself. So don't date the church. Commit to the local church. Amen. Amen. Is anybody here, you know, just, just as a sign, anybody ever come to IFC, you were kind of broken, busted, and you left different, you left changed, you left, your life was altered. Would you ever come to church here? On a, Come on, raise your hand. Did you ever come to church here and you felt lost, then you, then you found yourself found? Did you ever come to church at IFC and you were sick and you left healed? Can I have an amen? The church changes our lives. It does. It changed my life. And it troubles me sometimes that people don't want to be and aren't totally, fully connected to a local church. And I ask some people why they don't, I get all kinds of answers. Recently, I was at my gym, my second church. (laughs) Keeps me grounded, by the way. And I was with this guy, and I was like, he found out that I was a preacher. Before, he knew I was a preacher. He was cussing like a sailor. You know what I'm talking You know those people that like, they, they don't know your faith, and, and he's, he, he wasn't using Jesus Christ as a form of worship, okay? Let me just say it like that, okay? Then he figures out, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Christian and a pastor, and all of a sudden he's, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that, Pastor. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I'm okay with that because I'm okay with my relationship with God and my love for him changing and influencing the people around me, and that would be okay if we did that a little bit more. Not in a judgmental way, but in a positive way, amen? You change the atmosphere of the room. If everybody just gets more worldly and you're not affecting that, oh, don't get me going, Pastor. I'm, I guess another message. But anyway, I'm talking to this guy, and he's just like, I asked him, like, so tell me your, you know, your background. He's like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm in between churches. I said, I've never heard that before. And I just kind of had like, a, like a, a moment with God. I'm like, that's people's problem. People, people are treating the church like it's, like it's, like it's a job. Yeah, I'm in between. I'm in between jobs. Maybe if people didn't treat church like something they go to to do time, but they treated church like it's something they go to to redeem time. Let me unpack that more a little bit more. See, we don't go to church just to go through motions. We don't go through church just as some kumbayas and some hallelujahs and some high fives, and then we get out of there, go on to Piccadilly, have a meal. Church is about making a difference for the kingdom of God. We get filled up. It's like inhale, and then we take it out, and we exhale that. Christianity is breathing, everybody. Whatever you get, you give away. You change the world around you as a result of what you received here today. Are you with me? And sometimes we forget that a lot of times. And sometimes I think we forget this is the only organization that you're a part of that is doing something for eternity. Tell me what other thing in your life you're, you're involved in that's doing something that's impacting eternity. Go ahead and preach, Pastor. I'm trying. 
I'm trying. I'm trying to preach right now, okay? I, I actually think, I'll take it up a notch. I actually think it's, it's dangerous, and it might even be, this is strong, and I don't have to come back next week, and pastor may not let me, but it might even be sinful not to be fully engaged in a local church. You know why? Because when you get before God, you're going to stand before God, and you're not just going to, you, you can get in because of Jesus. But you're going to stand before him, and he's going to say, hey, what's up with you and my son? What's your position on him? But the next thing he's going to say is, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with what I gave you? Do you know that he talks in the parable of the talents, and he calls the faithful, people who follow God, they do not use what they gave them, and they buried their talent in the ground. He calls them wicked and lazy. See, I don't want to get in and be disciplined on arrival. You know what I mean? I get to go home, but I'm going to get a spanking as soon as I get home. Like, no, I don't want that kind of relationship with heaven. Are you with me, everybody? All right? So don't bury your talents. And there's no doubt God knows, God knows the church that you should be a part of. And some of you may be listening online. You, you don't know for sure. God will tell you that. God will tell you that if you ask him. But I can be, you can be sure he wants you planted. And I'm not talking about plant pots. Plant pots don't grow very far. Because they have no roots. The reason you'll grow through things and go through things, the prunings, the challenges, the weather, all the different things that can happen, like that song was talking about, is because you're rooted. Because you're rooted. My church mapped out the course of my life. I never realized all those Sundays that my mommy, my mommy, my mama, I don't think I've said that in a long time, my mom and my dad dragged me to church for many years of my life. Straight up dragged me. Some of you young people, you're getting dragged in here. I feel you, I feel you. That was me. That was me for sure. I, I actually, at one point, they were encouraging me, I need to serve, I need to do something. So I actually kind of, you know, reluctantly signed up for cleaning the church. I was the janitor at our church. I cleaned the toilets. I want to go on record and say that the women's bathrooms are worse than the men's. I just want to get that off my chest. <laughs> just want to get that off my chest. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. But I was the janitor, and I biked three times a week uh, from my house, two and a half miles, three miles, something like that, to church, cleaning the church, two and a half hours sometimes at a time, cleaning the church. And I didn't know that all those years that I was cleaning the building, that one day I'd be at the altar, and God would be cleaning this building. That God would use that church literally to change the course of my life. Little did I know that one day that God would, while he was building my character through that process, that one day he would use me to help build character through the processes of their life. One day, I didn't know that while I was stewarding the building, mopping, that one day God would say, you're going to be over and you're going to be stewarding all the buildings and buying new buildings under my leadership. I didn't know that God would take me from a shepherd, let's say, you know, out in the fields to a shepherd of God's people. You don't know what God has in store for you through the local church. The church of Jesus Christ changed my life. God was using it. God was, God was doing something through all of that, and he wants to do the same thing for you. My destiny was in the local church, and I didn't know it. Surely the Lord was in this place, and I didn't know it, but now I do. Now I do. Number two, has the church become personal to you? Quickly moving along. I found friends here. I found my spiritual family in the church. I found faith here. I found words of life in the local church. I found freedom. I found my gifts. I found my purpose in the local church. Don't throw 